believer in Christ, have you been praying for divine intervention or God's help in real, overwhelming needs in your life? Have you asked Jesus to immerse and envelop you in the power of the Holy Spirit? The same power that he operated in to heal the sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead, and perform mighty miracles is available to you today through the same baptism in the Spirit that he himself received. The next few minutes can revolutionize your life as you learn how to be clothed with power from on high. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Friends, Throughout this teaching series, I am leading you on a journey to discover the real truth about a matter second in importance to none except salvation itself, which is the matter of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Each segment of teaching is one vital link in that journey, which leads ultimately to the real truth concerning the role of the third member of the Godhead in your life, whom Jesus himself called the Helper, that is, the blessed Holy Spirit, the living waters of God. God says in Hosea 4.6 that his people, that means born-again believers, Christians, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Ignorance or lack of knowledge concerning spiritual matters not only is not bliss, but it is an open gateway to devastation and destruction. Jesus taught that the knowledge of the truth sets free, which inherently means that what you do not know of the truth will keep you in bondage. The unfortunate truth is that many born-again believers are being held captive by lack of knowledge of the truth and deceptions concerning this critical matter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. 
Now some of the main points I am going to be establishing and providing scriptural support for during the course of this teaching are that 1. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct or adjunctive experience to the infusion of the Holy Spirit that takes place at the moment of salvation. 2. Regeneration by the Spirit, that is, salvation, the new birth, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit are two distinct and separate workings of the same Holy Spirit. In salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live within the believer, imparting the fruit of the Spirit, that is, the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. In the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the believer is enveloped by or immersed in the Holy Spirit, that is to say, the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer, in contrast to in the believer, and imparts the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These facts are clearly supported by Scripture and are exemplified by the experience of Jesus himself, who is our supreme model. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus explicitly stated that the baptism in the Holy Spirit will be given to any believer who simply asks him for it. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift of grace received by faith and often imparted through the laying on of hands by other anointed believers. Secessionism Refuted My good friend Charles Caron, as a Baptist pastor for more than 28 years, was much like Apollos before Priscilla and Aquila took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Acts 18, 24-26 Like Apollos, he was an eloquent man, and he was mighty in the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord in Presbyterian Seminary, was fervent in the Spirit, and was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, meaning the gospel of Christ's sacrifice. However, Charles, like Apollos, and myriad other sincere and fervent traditional denominational ministers today, was acquainted only with the baptism of John, the original Baptist. This simply was the way it was for this well-spoken and well-studied hyper-Calvinist Bible expositor and primitive Baptist pastor for nearly three decades of service spanning the final half of the 20th century who, true to his denomination's beliefs, denied the miraculous works of the Holy Spirit. Until one day, in his twenty-ninth year of ministry, when in the midst of an extended period of spiritual dryness and emptiness brought on by a severe personal trial, 
he had a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit, and despite all his refutations, protestations, and contrarian beliefs, was thoroughly immersed or baptized in both the water and the fire of the Holy Spirit. Instantly, he and his theology were forever changed. Straight away, cessation theories for Charles Caron were thoroughly expunged from his belief system, but more importantly, from his personal relationship with the Godhead. From that day forward, he had no more questions regarding the reality of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. No, not one. The horrendous tragedy Charles suffered through forced him to acknowledge a plethora of scriptures he had previously been blinded to or ignored. It was a time of intense personal pain and testing. The truths he saw once, like Saul of Tarsus when Ananias laid his hands upon him, the spiritual scales fell from his eyes, were frightening. They had power to destroy his denominational ministry, and at that point he had no way of knowing that another, more wondrous and extensive ministry awaited him. As a result of his submitting to God in that crisis, Charles emerged with an amazing anointing of the Holy Spirit. Today, his ministry centers upon the visible demonstration of the Spirit and imparting of his gifts. After 83 years of living and over 65 in the kingdom at the time of this writing, Charles has come to some specific conclusions concerning what the Spirit says in the Word of God about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, as well as the dunamis power of God unto spiritual manifestations of the Spirit throughout the church age. This learned and articulate servant of God, in the following excerpt of one of his recent articles, does a masterful job of refuting the wholly indefensible cessation theories espoused by many so-called fundamentalist denominations today, who unfortunately continue to invalidate the Word of God by their traditions. I was so impressed with the capturing of the essence of the matter by this inveterate minister, I basically prevailed upon him to gain his permission to include it in this book, which he fortunately, for readers and listeners, graciously granted me. Kingdom Faith or Kingdom Fiction by Charles Caron The New Testament gospel is powerful, eternal, and perpetually true. Two thousand years after its presentation to the world, it is still relevant, unabridged, and unchallengeable. When Charles Spurgeon was asked how he defended the gospel, he replied, I don't defend the gospel any more than I would defend a lion. I just opened the cage and let it out. Jesus called his message the gospel of the kingdom. That message has never been, nor will ever be, changed. Nor will it become a gospel of the church. The kingdom knows no failure. The kingdom is triumphant, victorious, all-conquering. The kingdom is permanent, unchanging. 
the kingdom needs no such excuse to absolve herself of blame. The church is subject to great failure. The church is schismatic, self-indulging, and unreliable. The church is temporal, justifies herself, and vindicates her failures. The church has invented an escape hatch called cessation theology. This pleasant-sounding expression declares that God has withdrawn the Holy Spirit's miraculous power from the church. The church has a book, the Bible, and little more than that. We have no power because God has removed it, so the modern church says. The fault is not ours. Much of modern evangelical Christianity is a parallel of the ministry of Apollos. It is sincere, eloquent, accurately teaching Bible truth as far as it allows itself to believe, but its doctrine is measured by its own opinion. It is afraid to measure its doctrine by Scripture. Dispensationalism, the claim that miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit passed away, dominates traditional Christianity. Jesus said there would be no such change. Hear his words. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 18-20 Jesus fully expected the church at the end of the age to believe and teach all things that he had commanded the original disciples. The apostle Jude did not believe the cessationism claim. Instead, he presented one of the New Testament's strongest defenses for the gospel's inalterability. He said, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints, Jude 3. The once for all in our English Bibles comes from a valuable little Greek word, hapix, in spite of its small size, hapix can carry significant authority. It means one, a single time, conclusively, absolutely all, everyone. Enjoying this podcast? Please take a minute to pray if the Lord would have you to help us with the substantial financial burden of this program. We receive no grants or funding from any organization or government agency and no other means of support than the gracious and generous giving of our listeners. SLM Inc. bears the entire burden. In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash S-L-M-I-N-C to give any amount. Thank you for your gifts, generosity, and graciousness.
This hapix expression appears at least eight times in the Greek New Testament. It is translated once for all five times in the New King James Version. Three additional times the New International Version translates it as once. In every instance, hapix establishes the unchangeability of its subject. Six of the references below apply directly to Jesus. One applies to the believer, and the final one to kingdom faith. In four instances in the Greek text, the preposition epi, upon, is added to reinforce the once-for-all meaning. The Hapic Scriptures 1. Romans 6.10 For the death that Jesus died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. 2. Hebrews 7.27 Who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's? For this Jesus did once for all when he offered up himself. 3. Romans 9.12 Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, Jesus entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. 4. Hebrews 9.26-27 He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world, but now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. 5. Hebrews 10.2-3 For the worshippers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. 6. Hebrews 10.10 10. By that will we have been sacrificed through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 7. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. 8. Jude 3 Beloved, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. To which of these hapics once for all passages are you willing to apply cessation theology? Would your theology be complete if any of the once for all references were removed from the work of Jesus? Would you like any of these subjects to be vulnerable to change? Are you genuinely glad that they are hapics once for all secure? If so, it is impossible for you to endorse cessation theology. You cannot accept the works of Jesus as hapics and then deny the Holy Spirit the same respect in his maintaining hapics in the permanency of Scripture. You cannot do it and uphold integrity with the Word. Modern Christianity has convinced itself that Jesus provided two distinct Gospels and two distinct faiths 
one for the first-century church and one for those who followed after. The first was miraculously empowered. The second was not. The first had the baptismal gift of the Holy Spirit. The second was merely given a book telling what the Holy Spirit had achieved in the past. Hear the truth. Jesus provided everyone, past, present, future, with a faith which was hapix true, hapix strong, hapix forever. The fact is this, whether you and I accept it or not, the original faith that was once for all delivered to the saints is still intact. It is unaltered. In a conclusive, unchangeable way, the faith of the apostolic era was delivered for all time intact to every subsequent generation. There will never be another. Someone argues, but I have never seen the miraculous works of the Holy Spirit in my church. True, but the fault lies with the church, not with God. The contemporary church is a victim of its own unbelief. Observe that the Apostle Jude said he, one, found it necessary, two, to exhort you, three, to contend earnestly. This agrees perfectly with Jesus' instruction in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20 that believers to the end of the age be taught to observe all things that I have commanded you, the original disciples. Then, as if to emphasize the unchangeability of the gospel's time span, he said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Observe the expression, all things. What did he mean by that expression? Scripture does not leave us to wonder. Matthew ten seven through 9 makes it very plain. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. When he said, teach them all things to the end of the age, this is what he meant. The obvious message is that the gospel and the faith arising from it have been permanently given one time and will never be given again. The initial provision is sufficient once for all time and once for all people. In an emphatic way, this says that New Testament faith, doctrinally and experientially, as it was originally preserved by the Holy Spirit, is unchangeable. It cannot be added to or taken from. Any cessationist claim otherwise is a hoax. Such an accusation insults the cross and the work of the Holy Spirit. Compare with Second Peter 1.21. Even so, the idea is rampant in modern Christianity that parts of the covenant book which Jesus ratified by the sprinkling of his blood, Hebrews 9, 11 through 15, have lost validity. 
This supposedly occurred at the death of the Apostle John in 70 AD, or when the New Testament books were canonized into one volume in 367 AD. The truth is, modern Christians have invented that monstrous idea. We have done so because we do not want accountability for our own failures. If we can justify the absence of God's miraculous presence by claiming He withdrew it from us, we don't have to accept blame for having withdrawn ourselves from Him. Jesus said the Scripture cannot be broken. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, You are God's? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him. Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. John 10, 34-40 Jesus reminded the Jews that it was David, not himself, who first wrote about God miraculously empowering the saints. Those unfortunate ones to whom the word of God comes are so changed and endowed that in the eyes of the demonic world, in a comparative sense, they become gods with a little g. Simply stated, Jesus intended the saints to exercise power over the demonic realm. Compare with Luke ten nineteen. It was Jesus who said the scripture cannot be broken. That means that the New Testament is still intact. No part is outdated and it cannot be victimized by cessation teaching. In believing it, we open ourselves to receive a miraculous imparting of its word. Those to whom the word of God comes are changed from ordinary humanity into extraordinary humanity. The word of the Lord came to Abraham, Samuel, Nathan, Gad, Solomon, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Haggai, Zechariah, John the Baptist, the first disciples, others. All of these experienced transformation when the Word of God came to them. This is the only sensible explanation for the explosive growth of Christianity in the Roman world. If you are one of those believers whose cessation theology denies the integrity of Scripture or the Holy Spirit's miraculous gifts, stop it. You are on the losing team. You are on God's opposing team. Kingdom faith is fact, not fiction. Happics once for all. Now, if you want that baptism in the Holy Spirit I've been talking about and would like to know more about it and how to receive it, I've written a book and even recorded an audio book of the book 
that will help you with that. The book title is Dunamis, Power from on High. Dunamis, Power from on High. Now, this concise book explains what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, the scriptural precedent and proofs regarding it, how to sort out the real truth from all the diverse teaching that exists concerning it based on Scripture, and it provides some simple explanation for receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can order the book and audiobook online on our website at realtruthradio.com where you can place your order by clicking on the PayPal donate button to use any bank card which does not require a PayPal account. Again, go to realtruthradio.com to place your order and where you can also listen to the recordings of all our podcasts. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.